What's up, Ray? Hello, Trisden. Here we are for the best of extreme common sense with Trisden and Ray. <laughs> I don't know if there is a best of. Man, you know, you know how you know it's going to be. I know there's not a best of, but this is the way I know it's going to be a great show. Is when you listen back and then the fucking I've left a microphone off, or it sounds like I'm talking from the bottom of a well. It always feels like the best content was in one of those shows. We could find that telephone show. That was that would that would be a funny irony. We could do that the, was literally the worst show we ever did. Do that as a worst of. Oh my god. I wonder if we'd get more or less listeners if we just it was dropped a worst of. Basically unlistenable. I wonder if anybody's actually made it through that show. I couldn't. We tried to record <laughs> on our cell phones one day and I, I don't know. I think maybe I was using the speaker. Maybe if I'd have had it to my ear, but I didn't want to have the phone to my ear for 60 minutes because i don't want brain cancer so <laughs> yeah with that if that gives you brain cancer by the way i'm dead you're gone yeah but yeah so this is something we've never done which is just we're gonna record just a couple random minutes there's no notes whatever we talk about and then we're gonna play some best of well there's never so, notes <laughs> so the, this will be this is the i guess technically the christmas show yeah so. i mean it's christmas week i think we always referred to yeah. the week between christmas and new year's as christmas week so right. yeah so this is essentially so we don't have to make troy go through and edit right. our show for right. the week of christmas exactly because he asked exactly so, right <laughs> we probably would have just got together put something on right but troy certainly deserves a break and absolutely should not have to deal with this on the week of christmas right so so we're taking a break and we're gonna air a best of show yeah just like the big boys do fallon and that's kimmel it. and best of if there can be a best of kimmel there could be a best of extreme common sense that's it and there's at this point there's been so many episodes there's got to be one good one to, to put it's out it's got to be one yeah we'll, we'll have to work we'll, to find it but we'll, there's got to be one it may, it'll take a few minutes it we, may we will get there it may man so <laughs> so what are you doing for christmas what, what um, just hanging and, um, you know, uh, actually working Christmas Eve. So what I do for for the employees, none of whom appreciate it, is um, it, we're, we're only open 12 to 5 on Christmas Eve, and then we're closed Christmas Day. Um, could almost close Christmas Eve, but uh, owners like it. You make a few dollars. I get together usually with Matt and uh, one other employee. So basically all the employees can get christmas eve and christmas day off so i'll work noon to five christmas eve and then head home and not do a whole lot nice kind of hang out and put the fire on although you know 60 degree christmas isn't christmas man it is weird right yeah, it's got to be 30 with snow yeah i agree with that but then that's the only day all year that i wouldn't prefer 60 degrees like literally right. give me 364 with 60 plus and right. i'm pretty happy yeah christmas day needs to be cold and snowy yeah. Now you, uh, you and the wife and the kids, like, do you guys overdo the presents? Do a lot? Pretty. Patty good? still does bad. a lot, man. We always talk about not buying presents one year and putting that money towards a trip. We've never pulled the trigger on that. But uh, ironically, Lucas, who I work with, who has four kids, uh, twins that are five-ish, uh, son who's eight and a son who's twelve. Um, are doing that. They didn't do a whole lot. I'm not exactly sure how they worked out the Santa Claus thing, and they're taking a trip to their huge Disney people, but they're finally going to Pasadena. Oh, that's awesome. I think it's Pasadena. Is it Pasadena? I'm assuming where, yes, because you said it. Where Disney is. I, th I think that's right. Sure. So Orlando is Disney Land, Disney World, and California is Disneyland. That's right. Is that right? That's right. So they're going to take a trip to Disneyland. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. And I, so I assume they've probably already done Disney World at some point oh. because it's closer. It's like fucking every year. Wow. It's, it's like, oh, guess where Trisden's, or guess where Lucas is at. <laughs> like two and three times a year. Now, yeah. to be fair, his wife's grandmother lives in Orlando, so they do have a place oh, to nice. stay. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty handy. But, 
Yes, they go to Disney a lot. Have and you done a Disney World Orlando? Uh, yeah, I, I went to Disney um, in Orlando when I was dating Patty, whose oh, folks wow. actually. Uh, so my uh, my kids actually went several times because Patty's mom and dad lived in Orlando for about eight years. Uh, you know, snowbird. Yeah, they uh, finally sold the house and, and came back. It was a house that she inherited. Oh, that's nice. Talk about buy low and sell high. Yeah. It was her brother, Robbie, who was uh, Patty's uncle, and um, his he was widowed, and his son had uh, was gone, had actually taken his own life, and he was estranged from his daughter. Yeah. And when he died, he left the house to my mother-in-law, and the daughter tried to contest it, but Uncle Robbie had dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's, so they wow. got this house in like 96 in Orlando, which coincided well. Raymond was born, Brielle was born in 91, Raymond in 95, Nancy and Vinny's kids in the same. So, so the kids went to uh, Disney six, eight times, and then Mr. and Mrs. Dreger sold that house. This is no shit, Trizen. And again, Patty would be mad if she heard this, but they don't listen. <laughs> no so worries. they got the house for nothing. You know, the yeah. old buy low and sell high. Yeah. Kept it for eight years and sold it for $700,000. Oh, my God. It's a pretty good buy low, sell high. That's pretty nice. Now, would you feel guilty not to just give that to the daughter? Or you just respect the wishes of strangemen yeah, and yeah. like if you were in that position, they, I don't think they offered her anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, possibly. It, I probably would. But. I would too. But it also feels a little shitty. And again, who knows who was right? And you know, I usually blame the parents. But you know, if you didn't have anything to do with them while they're alive, then you really kind of lose a bit of the interest in their stuff when right. they pass. Too. Yeah, right. So I see both sides. So yes, I, I went to Orlando, and then years later, uh, Brielle was a huge Harry Potter. Freak. Nice. And when she graduated grad school and got her master's, we took a trip down to Universal and, and saw Harry Potter World. And it's great. I mean, it's it's Disney. It's all That's first awesome. class. And, you know, I wouldn't want to go every vacation there. But, um, you know, I went once and haven't been back. I'd go again. And, and those things Disney, everybody should probably do a time Disney is probably like Christmas. I always think Christmas is great when you're a kid and when you have kids. But in yeah. between, it's like, eh, you know, yeah. it's not. To me, Thanksgiving is the adult holiday. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I got a quick, funny, random Harry Potter story. Mm. So I dated this girl in college, and this is absolutely true, and I swear she was reading the Harry Potter novels at the time, and she told me, and I forget the context, she was talking about reading the last novel in the the J.K. Rowling book, and I don't know why. Like Maybe she was crying or sad or something. I was like, what's going on? Harry Potter die? And she goes, yeah, he dies at the end. And I was like, well, holy shit. So then the movies come out a couple years later, whatever, and I never watch. Like two years ago, I finally say, well, I'm going to watch him, but amazed that he dies at the end. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Harry Potter, I'll allow you a few seconds to turn it off. He doesn't die at the end. And I was, was so, going to say. I was so happy I, about I it. I don't remember Harry I, dying. I yeah. lived for like 20 years thinking that it ended with him dying. And I don't know if I just misinterpreted. Did she misinterpret something? I mean, I have no. She was fucking with me. I, I don't know. But I was so excited <laughs> to finally in like yeah. 2020 watch the movies. I was movies. about to say to you, Harry Potter died? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how we <laughs> crossed funny. our wires. But I remembered for 20 years that Harry Potter, I guess, was killed by Voldemort. Or however you say his name. And so it That's literally funny. made my life to finish the series. Like, ah, <laughs> Harry Potter's still alive. It was so wonderful. So, uh, yeah, some of the one of the dumb things. I was probably drunk. But uh, anyway, so Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas <laughs> and Happy New Year. And yeah, man, you too. With that, we'll get out and we'll start this again next year. Yeah, we might as well just do it again in 24. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, Why not? I'll make my decision before the next show. We'll find well, out if I'm going to be in uh, running for the state house. That would be cool. And 24 may be an interesting year because oh, in spite of all of the protestations on both sides, right now it appears it will be Mr. Trump and Biden. Yeah. 
And for those of us that are a bit of political junkies, it's going to be a, at least an entertaining. Entertaining. Year. Oh, God. It's, yeah, it's going to be also stressful. Entertaining. Get your tums and bourbon ready everything about trump is stressful it really is man there's there's just no break and i don't understand how they love him more than they wouldn't like to just have nikki haley or chris christie or you know uh governor DeSantis. like they're not my picks i like christie well enough but they're not my picks but boy they just seem like a lot less stressed to have them in yes office. i would you think just so. feel like you could just sleep at night knowing that you know so many of the so much of the drama that Trump brings would just not be there right. with them. So Ugh. we shall see. Well, she's got a she's gaining in what Iowa right now, man. She's got yeah. a pretty Haley. not yeah. a lead, but it was like forty four twenty nine. Yeah, she's, which was she's not gaining ground. Around. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what we'll see what it brings. Yeah, I, I hope, mean it's yeah, I hope it's the, still an outside chance, right? I would like to see our Republican friends get their common sense back when it comes to who they want to see as president. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Since our show is common sense based, it's common sense based. All right, man. Well, you want to call it a day? We'll go sure. eat some Christmas pumpkin pie or whatever it is you Christmas pie. do for the holiday. Mince pie or, or fruitcake, man. I like fruitcake. I'm the only person that I likes also it. like fruitcake. Nothing wrong with People fruitcake. People always shit on fruitcake. Shit on fruitcake. It's not man. bad at all. I don't think so. No, I mean, yeah, you go to the store and get one of the generic ones. It's okay. Yeah, a little rough. But you get some of the, there's really homemade good fruitcake. fruitcakes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I Something agree. we agree on. Maybe it's a Democrat thing. That's it. <laughs> Left-wing fruitcake. All right, Ray. Happy holidays, man. Merry Christmas. You too, brother. All right. See you next year. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome, everybody, to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How are you feeling? Man, uh, for a dude who still has COVID, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you can test positive. So it's like yeah, nine. You can test positive for a while. Yeah, I think I'm nine days from our last show and still positive every day. And But luckily, I mean, the symptoms have been very mild. It's just because it's scary to hear the term COVID. I just wake up every day like, oh, am I going to have pneumonia? But I just, you know, the, the symptoms have been really mild. They've just lasted a long time. Do you test yourself every day? I've started testing myself every day since day six or seven. So like the last four or five days I've tested every morning. Are those Mr. Biden's tests, test kits? You know what? I, I got a couple of them at uh, the the local Dollar General, and then some of those, yeah, were some of the government. They mailed them to you ones. So yeah, yeah a couple different kinds. So we're back in the saddle. Yeah, back in the saddle. Some pretty cool stuff going on this week, and this is one of these shows. We're not like six shows ahead. So this one will air uh, probably a week from today when you hear this, and uh, so yeah, some pretty cool. Stuff in the news to talk about, I think. And no guests. We're just chatting about stuff because there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, no. There indeed is. Yeah, it's been a, a busy week in politics. So one thing I would like to say, this is a kind of cool pre-show, I guess, or pre-topic uh, story. I'd like to say congratulations to our buddy Jamie, who probably isn't listening, but nonetheless, who has the True, true Crime cast a sure. uh, good friend of mine, and uh, he he flew to Boston this week to uh, record some 
some TV shows, some some true crime TV shows. So wow. pretty excited for him and excited to, to see those air uh, on Court TV this fall. So, yeah, if you're a true crime fan, uh, look for our a friend of the show and friend of me personally, Jamie, uh, with True Crime Cast as he begins his TV career a little bit. He's a nice guy, but, you know, he's got a face for podcasting. <laughs> wow. Pull that out on him when he's not here. Yeah, this is what happens. You know, I try to say something nice about somebody, and, and this is the direction Just kidding, it goes. Jamie. You are a very, very handsome man. <laughs> I actually talked to Trusen about that when you left the studio. No, that's really cool. Congratulations. That's neat. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And he's actually yeah. he's a big wrestling guy, and he, he has worked sort of a friendship with uh, the wrestler Jericho, who also has a, a podcast. So he does true crime with J- So yeah, he's really, he's enjoying the fruits of his labor with, uh, with his podcasting. It's really paid off for him. That's what I was going to ask you. How did that evolve? That's really interesting. Man, I, I knew the, the TV show or his friendship with Jericho. Well, both. Yeah. Well, I think the TV show, I think they reached out to him through his podcast. Uh, the, uh, the court TV and, uh, and yeah, sort of the same with, uh, Jericho. It just sort of evolved. I think, I don't remember if Jericho had reached out to them about a case they had covered, uh, or vice versa, but it sort of sprung into this thing where they do a lot of cross shows and Jericho comes on with them. They go on with Jericho and, and, you know, they've got this little, uh, relationship, which is, you know, just fantastic. And that's great. That's cool. Pretty cool stuff. So uh, yeah, and today we're 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 still we're up in the air on a studio. So hopefully you won't know that from listening to the audio. But we don't have our Berea studio is no more. So we're, we've got to find a spot. So this is a web a web show. And uh, one the reason I bring that up is because I know our producer Troy is working on some pretty big things, and we're going to start uh, doing some commercials for Troy. So if you listen to this show and you think to yourself, "Man, I'm better than them," which you probably are. Uh, you can actually reach out to us on Facebook, and we'll have some information on, on how to, to reach Troy really soon. But he's doing some really big things uh, in the podcast world. And, uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. So that's kind of cool for Troy and, uh, and Front Porch Studios. Yeah, and I miss our little studio. It was a very quaint, neat place to record a show, a podcast. Yeah, me too. And, and we now have our own equipment, but we've, it's just a matter of sort of me getting done with COVID and figuring out where we're going to put it so we can uh, go somewhere with windows and look at each other in person when we yell at each other. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done an in-person show, hasn't it? Yeah, man. And, and this a little bit, this sort of Zoom-ish format, uh, it's, it's a little bit like work. So it is a lot more fun to sort of sit in a studio and chat more than it is to stare at a computer for an hour. Yeah, that's true. That that is true. And you see yourself. So uh, I guess Ray, yeah, right. <laughs> we, we have to look at our own faces. <laughs> so uh, first thing I've got written down here on the list of things to talk about: gas prices. Seeing some gas prices go down. What are going conservatives going to complain down, about down, down, every down, time you, you talk to them? Thirty thirty straight days or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Now, will Br- will Brandon get the credit, or is this somehow Trump uh, has created cheaper gas from Mar-a-Lago? <laughs> well, he's not in Mar-a-Lago. They close it for the summer. They close it for hurricane season, late summer, and he's in Jersey. 
He's in Bedminster. I don't know. I don't know if I ever really? mentioned it. I'm also from Jersey. Yeah, I know where Bedminster is. Oh, my bad. You are. Bad. Uh, hello. That's Trump. He's he's mad that you're you're talking about him right now. But he yes he is. I hear from, you talking about me, Ray. I don't like this. <laughs> he's he's wintering or, or summering, whatever the hell he's doing. They're, they get out of Florida for hurricane season, and he spends a couple of months in Bedminster, New Jersey. And in, in fact, they say that Mar-a-Lago is sort of um, buttoned up, like there's a sort of a skeleton staff. And of course, uh, we had the the big quote-unquote raid uh, a couple of days back, and I'm sure we're going to cover that today. Yeah, man, uh, it was pretty fascinating, and some of the repercussions of that I found pretty fascinating. So, I mean, hell, we can dip right into that. I, I wanted to talk some Biden today for sure, and we can get to him, but, you know, Trump does suck up the oxygen in the room almost every time, you know, you're talking politics. So, man, what do you think? What, what did you think about the big raid? Well, I'd, I'd ask you first. What do you think the repercussions were? That's an interesting word to use. Well, well, and let me start by saying I think one of the fascinating things about uh, we disagree on some of this, and I've sort of evolved to the point that I don't think uh, or you don't think that uh, a, a president should really stand trial, an ex-president should stand trial for some of this stuff just due to the, the d- possible divide. And my sort of philosophy has changed to – if you don't prosecute people for wrongdoing, then the next president, be it Democrat or Republican, can come in and do worse stuff because he knows that there's no repercussion. So, again, Republicans think, well, now I don't want my guy to go to court. But what happens when that's Joe Biden and what happens when Joe Biden does something or Hillary Clinton or any of these people that they hate so bad? Look, if we don't hold Trump accountable, then you can't hold our guy accountable. So it has to be, in my opinion, it has to be something that we that there is some accountability. Now, whether that's jail time or what, there should be something. So, man, I think, you know, as long as this is not political, as long as this is not a Democrat somehow doing this out of some type of weird political game, I mean, if this is a crime, it's a crime. That's sort of my thought, and let's see. Let's see where the evidence leads us. I mean, obviously, they don't just raid people's uh, homes for no reason, right? No, I mean, it did seem to up the ante, you know, and now apparently there was somebody inside of Mar-a-Lago who actually alerted them, them being the FBI, to this cachet of uh, of documents and so forth. So, I mean, the whole thing is getting crazy. Now, I will tell you what I think, Tristan, is, um, is, is really dangerous and reprehensible. Marjorie Taylor Greene, leave her out. She's completely nuts. But Rand Paul, who actually represents you and me as a Kentucky U.S. senator, is there talking about how, based on absolutely not a shred of evidence, that the FBI may well have planted evidence while in Mar-a-Lago. Now that, to me, I'm not even sure where... There is, everybody wants to make everything about moral equivalency. Well, na 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 na. my right-wing sister in New Jersey does it all the time. I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? Trump's bad, Hillary was worse, right? You know, Trump's bad, uh, Clinton was worse. Trump's bad, Biden was worse, yada, yada, yada. I don't see an equivalent on the left to saying something as irresponsible as the FBI may well have planted evidence with absolutely no lick 
of proof of that whatsoever. Rand Paul completely pulled that out of his ass, went on Fox News and said it, and then the acolytes believe it and start to repeat it. And there's just, to me, nothing more dangerous or reprehensible. The man is completely full of shit. And he represents us. Well, and I think you've seen a lot of that because, I mean, that was January 6th. That wasn't our guys. That was Antifa in disguise. There is, to be the anti-participation uh, trophy group, there is a lot of we can't take blame, and it's got to be somebody else's fault. And, I mean, that is, that is tough. And I'll tell you where that planted evidence started. Trump, on his Truth Social platform, posted right uh, something that, that sort of mentioned, I hope nothing was planted. And, of course, after he posted that, it's been parroted on Fox News now for two or three days. But you're exactly right. They ran with Right. It. You can't just say it. There has to be some evidence of that. I mean, again, that goes back to... You know, he spent four years discrediting the media just because they're the media. Now, if you, he starts doing this uh, for the FBI, look, there's going to be a lot of nut jobs that are going to think, oh, the FBI is completely fake. And you saw it today with the Cincinnati shooter. There was a guy with a gun in the Cincinnati FBI office who has been subdued now. But look, people are going to hear this stuff. The FBI is after me. Witch hunt. It's crazy. They're coming after our freedoms. Look, people are going to go shoot other people because of these words. Listen, I'm, I'm the first one on board. If there's evidence, Lord have mercy of planning something, let's get to the bottom of it. But to your point, there was no evidence whatsoever that there was anything but a reasonable search warrant served. And wouldn't Rand Paul or shouldn't Rand Paul have more sense than to run with something that Donald Trump tweeted or whatever put on his social media uh, page now that nobody else looks at, I guess, except for Rand Paul? I mean, just terrible, terrible judgment. And and again, I don't know where the commensurate act is. So, so that whole world of moral equivalency that, yes, to some degree we all do, but the right seems to really have. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Fox, Fox News grew a cottage industry around. I know you are, but what am I? As did as did my buddy Limbaugh. It's been a few shows since I mentioned the late Rush, so we'll bring him up. That was his whole... I used to say to people, all you had to do was listen to Limbaugh's show for five minutes, and he was a victim of something or somebody else on the left was worse than whatever was in the news at that day. And they've done it very, very successfully. And so now Trump is going to try to do that exact thing with this raid when in all likelihood, it seems that the parties were negotiating in June and basically the Trump people gave the Department of Justice the middle finger and said, that's it. That's all you're getting out of us. If you want more, I guess you'll have to come and get it. And guess what? They fucking called their bluff and they came and got it. And I think that um, if you notice, there were no cameras. Nobody was invited. CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, nobody, no phone calls were made. Trump didn't even know. Apparently no one knew until later in the afternoon. It was a truly covert uh, mission, if you will, uh, uh, warrant. And they did that for a specific reason, because they didn't want it to be grandiose. It was just a... You know, it, it was a matter of um, um, process. You know, they wanted the process to go rather smoothly, which it appears to have done. And I think the Trump world was caught completely off guard by it. So their only defense was what? Now, these guys are terrible and corrupt and it's a police state and it's a banana republic. I mean, how did we get to the place where Republicans hate America so fiercely? I thought these were the law and order people. I thought these were the Blue Lives Matter people. I thought these were the people who had respect 
for things like the FBI and the Department of Justice and rules of law. What happened to that? There seems to be none. It certainly feels like it goes out the window the moment it inconveniences them. Police lives matter more than anything else until those police are standing in front of the Capitol on January 6th. Police matter more than anything until they're, you know, following through on a search warrant of a Republican. Look, a you can't have guy. it. Right. And look, let the courts work it out. Nobody's saying, look, Trump's 100% guilty. You know, they, they went in there and found all this stuff. Look, we don't know yet. It's just, it's up in the air, but let's see where it takes us. He could be very guilty of many crimes. He could be not guilty of any crimes, but that's the the whole point of our, our justice system is there's due process. They had reason to believe there was something in there, uh, assuming that it was unpolitical and they went in there to see what evidence they had to your point that they, they were still looking for evidence from a, a previous discussion. Look, let let the let it play out, and then we'll know. But see, Tristan, but it doesn't make the FBI bad folks. But it, but to them, it does. You're you're making a very logical, linear, common sense uh, argument, or or um, uh, uh, you know, example. You're 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 using common sense. Common sense kind of lost on the MAGA people, and I'd like to state right here that there's a huge difference between MAGA world and conservatives. I have the utmost, I've said this a thousand times on this show, or at least ten. Cons- I have a lot of respect for conservatives. Two of my favorite, well, I didn't only had two uncles, but both my uncles, very conservative men, Republicans, loved both of them, learned a lot from both of them. They, they, led, they led lives that were wholesome. Um, a lot to be said for conservatism. A lot to be said for the Republican Party that we knew. This is not MAGA world. MAGA world is filled with conspiratorial uh, leanings. It's filled with hyperbole, overblown hyperbole. It's filled with fantasy. It's filled with, you know, fake news, which they co-opted now, and CNN is fake news. I mean, and, and this is the danger of a guy like Rand Paul saying that the FBI picking up on Trump's lead and saying the FBI may have planted evidence, because what does that do? It undermines the faith that you have in the institutions that make America work and that, ironically, make America great. Not again, but make it great. And once you start to undermine those institutions, be it the FBI, be it the Department of Justice, be it the court system generally, which is what they're now doing, well, that's when people start to lose their trust in democracy, and that's when it opens the door for autocracy. And that is really the fucking danger is that American democracy is in peril as this guy continues his charade, this guy being Trump. It really is. And and again, Tristan, are you going to tell me if you're in the world of MAGA that Hillary's server with her emails is equivalent to Trump literally trying to stop American democracy, literally trying to overturn an election, literally trying to stop the process? and make him the victor in a race that he lost. It's it's this is going to be a terrible analogy but and it's going to be one that you'll know well. I've often said this about Pete Rose. Arguably one of the greatest hitters ever. Some might say the greatest. He's got the all-time hits. He's not in the Hall of Fame. 
And people will say, well, Babe Ruth was a drunk, and uh, Ted Williams, I'm not sure that Ted Williams did this, but he may have. Ted Williams beat his wife, and uh, Ricky Henderson was uh, a bit of a degenerate, and uh, this one did steroids, and you know maybe somebody else was, I don't, not, I don't know about a murderer, but there's some real egregious folks who are still in the Hall of Fame, but Pete is not. And my point is, well, those things are bad, but... The worst thing that you can do, literally, is to manage a team and bet against it. Now, now I'm not saying 100% that that's what Pete did, but I believe that's what he did. I believe that's the, the goods, if you will, that Bart Giamatti had on Pete that kept him out of the Hall of Fame. They went to him and they said, Pete, because we know he was a degenerate gambler, we have evidence that you bet against the Reds when you managed them, and there is no greater crime than that in all of sports, so we're going to keep you out of the Hall of Fame. I don't care what the crime you want to tell me, whether it's her fucking server and emails or Bill getting a blowjob in the White House or whatever other things. When you have a president who's actually trying to overturn the results of an election to keep himself in power, that's the worst that there is. There's nothing more egregious than that as pertains American democracy. And that's where we are with Trump, and it's provable. It gets more and more provable each day as you see this thing play out. Yeah, he doesn't take a break and step back and and sort of allow room for, well, maybe I lost. I mean, he really has doubled and tripled down on this lie, and it is just, you know, it's overtaken, you know, a pretty large swath of Americans. Um, You know, here's one point I'll make. You know, and you you raised a great point uh, earlier in the week when you and I were just having a, a conversation. You know, James Comey in the FBI, who now, of course, is the the FBI is completely now partisan, deep state, whatever, because of the Trump raid. He served a warrant on Hillary a week before the election. Right, right. So, listen, where was the outcry? I don't recall any Democrats saying. Oh, it's all fake and it's completely partisan. Like I'm sure there was a little bit of man. That's pissed. pretty suspect timing. Yeah, yeah like it was suspect point, timing for it? sure. Yes, but I, that's a great point. They were pissed. People on the left were pissed, and there's some who still believe that that caused Hillary um, to lose that election, which gave us Trump, if you will. Um, but yeah, I don't remember people on the left. I didn't see AOC on there or Chuck Schumer saying that this the FBI is is out of line and they're corrupt and comb. I mean, it's it's that's what I'm kind of saying. I don't see the equivalency on this thing. I just don't. Maybe somebody can point it out to me. I'm sure Hannity would tell me at length. But you know, so much of that is just bullshit. No, it really feels that way, and I try to. You know, I try to wrap myself all around the all around the tree to try and not just be a partisan hack on this because you know it. it I didn't love Trump before you know January sixth. I was probably never going to vote for Trump. Although you know, I think like a lot of people in the middle class of America, I sat when he ran and I thought, well, maybe he won't be too bad. I don't know. Maybe he'll be fine. Like I probably again, I wouldn't have voted for him necessarily, but I was willing to give him a chance. And of course. Anybody who wins the presidency, presidency, I feel like does deserve a chance. But right, man. At the same time, yeah. But at the same time, like yeah, there's no there's no excuse or no justification for undermining our democracy. And I felt the same way. One of the reasons I dislike Trump as a president is somebody who works in the very fringe bottom of media. You know, when you're trying to sow that discord among 
basically any media and news outlet because if, if it if there's a chance it doesn't agree with you, you want to be able to stand up and say, ah, well, it doesn't agree with me, so that's fake. Look, there's greater implications for doing that. Like, it doesn't just get you out of having to, you know, be held accountable for some dumb thing you said or did. Like, it's far-reaching. Look, in the future, people will be able to say this. In 20 years from now, people will still be saying fake news if it disagrees with something that they, you know, don't want to have to take responsibility for. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that Trump did and a lot of seeds he planted. But, yeah, to your point, this is the absolute worst. You can't take away what makes America literally great, which is the peaceful transfer of power. I get it. Trump's a baby. I get it. He doesn't like to lose. Guess what? Nobody fucking likes to lose. We all hate to lose, but there's a point where you have to say, look, I'm going to walk away from this somehow without deeply fracturing our country, without motivating idiots with AKs to go shoot up the Cincinnati FBI. Correct. So again, So you can say, man, Trump's tax breaks were awesome. You know, when Trump was president, gas was cheap. When Trump was president, there was literally no regulation on business. Every business owner was happy, which is wonderful. Look, all those things could be potentially really good. I get there's people that vote for reasons outside of the reasons I vote for. I understand we may completely disagree with your reason to vote, but we each get that right to vote. But again, you can't fundamentally destroy our country as we know it for a strongman leader. I can't ever wrap my mind around that, whether it's Trump or Biden or Hillary or anybody else. Look, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. I'm used to losing. I don't mind losing. I can wait four years and vote again. But look, to tell me I don't get a chance to vote in four years because your side really, really likes your guy, man, I, I can't do it. I can't wrap my mind around that. Right. It's a disruption of America's transfer of power, which is really, in many cases, the envy of the world. I mean, we've got the world's oldest democracy at whatever, 246 years. Um, you know, the French have been doing it a long time too, but American Revolution happened first. And it is the world's oldest democracy. And what that motherfucker has attempted to do is he has attempted, you know, made the best effort to disrupt that transfer of power and to claim victory in a race that he lost. And and people are like, he didn't lose it. Okay, let me, you made a commonsensical argument before. Let me make one. Yes, he lost it. You want to know why he lost it? He lost the race on suburban women. These are the very women who held their nose in 2016 and voted for Donald Trump for whatever reasons. They, you know, had had enough Obama. Let's give the Republican a chance. Hillary didn't quite do for, you know, for women. Maybe there. that's a whole nother discussion. She wasn't uh, motherly enough or whatever the hell. But at any rate, it was suburban women around the cities like Phoenix, Arizona and Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who gave Trump the White House in 2016. It was a surprise to a lot of people, but that is it. Because again, I know I've been down this road ad infinitum, but you and I can tell you how 75% of white men are going to vote. We can tell you how 90% of African Americans are going to vote. Hispanics about 50-50, but the question mark always is suburban women, right? And 
And that is who elected Trump in 16. That is who voted against the Republican Party in 2018 when Democrats came back to, back to power in the House and Pelosi became Speaker again. And that is exactly who voted against Donald Trump in 2020. So for anybody who says, oh, there's no way he could have lost. Yes, there is. He lost the vote and the support of suburban white women. The same women who were pissed. I say white women largely, but suburban women. Um, and th- those, these are the same women who are pissed off right now about Roe, which is a which has already been lost now with, I shouldn't say already, because Kansas showed us something different, that Kansas vote, but, and it's going to be an issue in November. But those women are pissed, which is why the playing field has now been a bit, bit leveled. That whole red wave is somewhat in doubt. I mean, all likelihood is probably the Democrats keep the Senate, not, and, and no insignificant measure because some of their fucking candidates are atrocious, like Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, Herschel Walker in Georgia. Jesus Christ. I mean, these are some terrible candidates, and it looks as though the Democrats will win those races and probably keep the Senate. And the House is going to be, Republicans will probably retake it. McCarthy will be Speaker. But it's, I don't see a red wave because... Republicans have kind of shot themselves in the foot. Now, they some people do say that, you know, Republicans have gotten a lot of muster out of this raid and Trump is back being their guy and it's going to rally the, the MAGA crazies and so forth. But, you know, it may. We'll have to see. Yeah, no, I, I think that's it, it. It does feel like, you know, three weeks ago, you know, it really felt like, you know, the Democrats just were going to continue to stumble over their feet and and just really struggle uh, going into these midterms. But yeah, I mean, Biden had a really great uh, couple weeks, which was a change. I mean, by most accounts, you know, even the people in the middle were very much not happy with how Biden has done. I mean, I think uh, some of these problems were were self-manufactured. A lot of them, I think he walked into kind of a weird time in history with COVID and inflation and some of this stuff, gas prices that, you know, maybe aren't 100% his fault. But look, I said the same thing about Trump and COVID as well. You're the fucking man. When you're in there, you're the guy on top. You're going to get some of this blame. You you have to expect to get it, and you've got to figure it out. So, and I think over the last few weeks, Biden has made some nice moves with the uh, with the the spending bill uh, was Build Back Better, um, which focused basically on climate, healthcare, and the deficit. Which sounds like a Republican bill, right? Like, how do Republicans right. hate that? Well, not so much a climate, but certainly, and, uh, you, you know, know, also deficits. We. Fair. And to your point, gas prices now, uh, I think I paid $3.60 today, uh, which is they continue to drop, what, 30 days in a row as of, uh, what, August the 11th? Is that right? Yeah, unemployment at record lows. Spending still up. Consumer spending is still way, way up. And I, uh oh, I'm choking, Tristan. Choking right in the middle of a live broadcast. I saw you over there. You're trying to, to eat peanuts over there. I see you on the camera eating peanuts, and then bad. you start choking. Especially because I think <laughs> I might have some slight peanut allergy, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it has been two very good weeks for Uncle Joe. Now, he's not going to get a lick of anything on Fox News other than that he's a bumbling, stumbling idiot who's gone around the bend and Jill does everything for him. But... You know, and, and like they don't even budge on that now from I, I always refer from Hannity to the Gutfeld kid. And as my brother texted me and said, you realize the, the Gutfeld kid is 58 years old, only a couple of years younger than you. I said, yeah, I knew that. I just call him the Gutfeld kid because he annoys the fuck out of me 
And uh, so it's, it's definitely derisive in his case. But literally from 8 o'clock at night when Carlson takes the air to midnight when the Gutfeld Kid show ends, it is four hours of Carlson, Hannity, Graham, Laura Graham or Laura Ingram, and, um, and, and Gutfeld just basically telling you that Joe Biden is a bumbling, stumbling, incompetent, gone around the bend, uh, Alzheimer's ridden, out of touch and there and there's never any variance like that's just consistent for four hours well and my question to you ray is you know if you go back to 20 the 2020 election i think one of the great things that fox news did for joe biden was to say every time there was a hot mic what an incompetent imbecile he was because as soon as he debated trump and sounded like a somewhat normal totally you know political person then that argument kind of flew out the window and i think you attribute i attribute a lot of that to just them painting this picture of this person who should be wearing a diaper in a nursing home to oh shit well he's probably sounds like every other politician at you know certainly at that age they set the bar really really low didn't they indeed yeah they just they 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 they, they set the bar really low and I said to my right-wing sister many, many times, and still say, say it today, when something that you hang your entire uh, opposition to a candidate on, which is that he's incompetent and drooling on himself and he's filled with dementia, is provably untrue, and you continue to say it and you continue to stay with it, people turn you off. And that was also instrumental. In addition to suburban women, Uh, The two things that turned that election, you're exactly right, were, yes, suburban women had 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 enough of Trump and voted against him. And people at large were like, these these fucking right-wingers are completely full of shit. The only argument they're making is that he's an incompetent, babbling idiot filled with dementia. And I can watch him on television and see that that's not true. So why do you continue to say that? You've lost my respect. Yeah, no, and I think that goes to... Again, you talk about the the nighttime lineup on Fox News. Of course, CNN's not completely immune to that. And there's there's several other right-wing outlets that are popping up. But again, it it just becomes this world of people that want to live in a bubble and just hear shit that they want to hear that makes sense to them, which is devoid of reality. And I think, you know, on either side, when you're hearing that, it hurts and it's stupid and doesn't do anything for American democracy. But I think one of the things on the right, and I don't want to always pick on my friends on the right, because again, the best people I know literally on this earth are Republican and conservative. I mean, I, I think the absolute world of so many of my Republican friends, but again, like this is now the party of like all the conspiracies. Like this is the party of John F. Kennedy Jr. Still alive. This is the party of, you know, Pizzagate. I mean, I, I don't know how, the normal Republicans distance themselves from these people, or if they even want to, if they'll just take the vote and, and roll on. But it, it is, it's, it's definitely becoming, you know, somehow even more partisan, but I, I think the partisan bothers me less than the craziness of, you know, this, you know, again, the FBI secretly planning evidence. Give me a fucking break. Like we can't just live in this fake world that everything we disagree with <clears throat> has to be, you know, there's a, a red herring for everything that that I don't want to be the case. I mean, they've they've gone to a dark place, haven't they? I mean, it's just really um, 
hard to fathom where all of this plays out <clears throat> or how it plays out. Uh, and, and Trump just is not going to go away, is he? No. and, and He's just not going to go away. Yeah, and that had uh, here to ask you. I mean, there's no doubt. Like, he's he's running, right? I mean, unless something happens between now and, I don't know, unless he's in jail. <laughs> I mean, he's he's running on the Republican side. He's going into those primaries. <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, one of the things they say is that he may, he may have been told by some of his legal advisors that if you are an announced candidate for president, there's some constitutional ambiguity as to whether or not charges can be brought against you. But I, I, I found this text that I had sent to my sister. Now, mind you, she is full-on MAGA. I mean, she sends some of the most outlandish things. And, and to give her the benefit of the doubt, this is a three-way text thread between myself, my brother, who's pretty progressive, was our guest last week. And we didn't really talk politics with Tommy. We talked about his career teaching. We'll have to get him back on. He's certainly further left than either you or I. And she is full-on MAGA right. But I sent this text to her. Probably went in one ear and out the other. Um, but I said... There's extremes in both parties. Can we agree on that? The difference between where you and I find ourselves, Rini is her name, my sister's name. The difference between where you and I find ourselves, Rini, is that I, like your new best friend, Bill Maher, she's always quoting Maher now because conservatives suddenly love Maher. The difference is that people like me and Maher will point out some of the absurdity in the extremes of the Democratic Party. Absurdity such as pronoun choice or adoption of safe spaces or environmental issues over economic ones. You, on the other hand, represent all of the most extreme views that the Republican Party has to offer. And that is a distinction with a huge difference. And that's what I see. That's why I say MAGA people aren't even conservative. Conservatism has a lot of merit. Conservative ideas, ideals and ideas have much merit. I live my life by many of them. MAGA people aren't conservatives. They're anarchists. They want to tear everything apart. No, that's a great point. I mean, you definitely see that's, that's the, I guess, the shift in the Republican Party. It was a very, you know, low taxes, uh, fiscally conservative. We're not going to spend type of uh, a group of voters. And now it has just sort of became... Well, whatever Trump wants, you know, like if Trump right. says, you know, I mean, Trump right. said some some anti-gun things in his four years that, you know, just blew me away that people, you know, were fine with. And, you know, going back to some of the earlier stuff with uh, calling John McCain not a hero because he was captured. And, you know, some of these things no one else in the history of American politics would have ever got away with, you know, shitting on a, a veteran, a war veteran, hero, prisoner of war like that. I, I mean, I don't get the complete. You know, he's the golden cow. Like he is the this idol that just can't be tarnished. And, you know, in fairness, like he, he was rich from birth. His daddy gave him millions of dollars. You know, he, he grew up a, a spoiled playboy. He apparently was probably also pretty good at real estate at, at some points of his life. But I don't I don't see this love, this fascination, like why he is just worship a figure. Right. Why, why worship him? Like, I get it. You like some of the stuff he says. I get you like that, you know, he supposedly is rich, so he doesn't need the money. He just wants, like, I get some of the banter uh, around Trump, but I don't that understand why he's infallible. That's going to be the question that historians are going to have to really ponder and look at. I would assume no small part of it, Tristan, is that these MAGA types who really find themselves put upon. They think that the American dream has left them and they think that, uh, you know, so much of the bullshit that Fox and our buddy Limbaugh uh, spoon fed them, they, they believed 
that the American dream left them and somebody was fucking them, you know, intentionally and feathering their nest at the expense of them. Um, and, and Trump came on board, and you're exactly right. If you look at the Donald Trump of 1999, who was flirting with a 2000 run, uh, a, a presidential run on Ross Perot's Reform Party ticket, after Perot had run run twice, Trump flirted with it and then opted out. He was going to run as a man who was anti-gun and pro-abortion, okay? And pro-homosexuality. Anti-gun. This was Donald Trump in 99. Don't believe me. Go back and look. In favor of gun control, in favor of abortion, on demand, and in favor of homosexual union, okay? little different than the guy who ran in 16 years later. So to his credit, he was kind of an empty vessel who just saw this opening, and right, he's no dummy, and he realized that these were people who <clears throat> felt like the system had left them and churned them up and spit them out and didn't give a fuck about them, and he appealed directly to that. So he was the guy who would poke the finger in the eye of these, um, of these liberals and of these establishment Republicans who were making their lives so terrible. And I think a big part of his appeal was that. And he did it very, very successfully. And those people's, you know, <clears throat> cults are an odd thing, man. They've been with us throughout history, and MAGA is a cult. There, it simply is a cult. I mean, there are people who said the Obama appeal was a bit cultish, and I get that early on, but I think it evolved into something else. It certainly didn't evolve into everything that Barack Obama said was taken as the burning bush gospel truth, you know, in the way it has with Trump. Yeah, I, well, it's funny. I think talking about Obama, there was a very funny Saturday Night Live skit early on, and it was obviously a joke, but it was kind of true. It was, uh, you know, it was a panel of black folks. And they would ask everybody on the panel, like, okay, so if Obama came out and, I don't know, like, shot Dr. Dre, like, would you still vote for him? And it was always, like, the answer was always, of course we would, because he's the first black candidate. So, like, yeah, you get sort of some of that appeal in the black community to really want to feel represented that even had Obama not been the best candidate at the time, maybe that, that he still would have got some votes just because he looked, you know, like a, a large portion of our country. So I kind of get that. But at the same time, like, you know, the middle of the country who also voted for, for Obama would have definitely, you know, if he shot somebody in Times Square, he would have lost a lot of votes. You know, again, I, Trump Trump calls it when he says, I could shoot somebody in Times Square and people would still have my back and his people would still have his back. So and I you mean, do have to it's give him fascinating. That. That's what I'm saying. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. He tapped into that and actually explained it, which we thought was a throwaway quote back in 2015, 2016, when he uttered those words. And it actually, as it turned out, to be a hell of a prediction because he was 100% right. And we're at a place now where if he did shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue, it would be, well, that was strictly defense. Our guy can't do anything wrong. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a bizarre thing. But I think a lot of it has to do with he was the guy who was willing to poke the finger in the eye of the Republic established, Republican establishment, people like Mitch McConnell, who these MAGA folks felt as though McConnell was doing nothing for them, people like Hollywood elites, New York elites who were just ignoring them and trashing them and looked at them as, you know, members of flyover country and rubes and hicks and hillbillies. <clears throat> and he appealed to them. He appealed to that element and that element responded. I mean, it's, hate to say it's as simple as that, but that's a huge part of it. Oh, no, I, I definitely think you're, you're 
absolutely right. And I hate to go uh, subject change on you, but I uh, really would like to also talk some about Biden. Does the uh, does Biden's big couple weeks to these lower gas prices? Now, again, we've talked about these folks that are you know with Trump till they die. Of course, they're never going to say yeah, Biden had a good couple weeks and whatever. Uh, never. Again, never. it's not an extreme common sense when you look at the the bases of both parties. I'm sure. But uh, yeah. does this matter? Uh, it, can he carry some of this uh, through the midterms and, and into, you know, 2024? Will that matter? Will he run? What do you think? No, I think to your point, <clears throat> it's a way different race now than it was on June 1st. Now, has this raid reinvigorated some feelings on the right? Yeah, we'll have to see about that. But Democrats are in a vastly different place, you know, soon to be September 1st than they were June 1st. So the, But really, Tristan, there are a lot of political advisors who say that the race truly doesn't begin until after Labor Day. Right now, it's a lot of gnashing of teeth and so forth. But the races will really begin in earnest the second, uh, the, the uh, Tuesday after Labor Day. And so we'll see. I mean, I think if you're a Democratic candidate, yeah, you have to tout those. Uh, I mean, Biden, perhaps, but really who was amazing was Charles Schumer, you know, the leader of the House, the, the Senate, um, pre, uh, the, the leader of the majority in the Senate, who I think really stuck Mitch McConnell. And that's a hard task. Mitch is a, I mean, we, you and I have been watching Mitch McConnell a long, long time being Kentucky residents. And I may not agree with everything that Mitch represents, but I have the utmost respect for him. He's one of the most skilled and skillful politicians that I've ever seen. Man says nothing unless he intends to say it. Never gives away his hand. Is just such a great poker player. <clears throat> and Schumer one-upped him completely unbeknownst to Mitch. I don't think he had any idea those negotiations were going on with Manchin and Cinema. I believe the Republicans thought that that bill was done. And all of a sudden, Schumer resurrected it and just completely caught them off guard, stuck it deep up their ass and broke it off. And so, you know, Trisden, there is some really valid speculation that that vote against um, uh, veterans benefits for burn pits was Mitch. And this is where it is childish and still high school. None of us ever quite get out of high school. Mitch had his nose out of joint so badly that he told Republicans to vote against that because that was something that needed 60 votes, not 50. And John Stewart got involved and truly embarrassed Republicans. John Stewart made Republicans look like assholes. And then what the vote wound up being 83 to 11 or whatever the hell it was. But that was kind of disgraceful. They were voting against this aid two veterans simply because Mitch's nose was at a joint because Schumer had beat him badly on that bill. And so he told his coalition or his caucus not to vote for the veterans benefits, which was just one more black eye because Stewart made them look terrible. So there are some things running against Republicans. I think their backs are up against the wall a little bit. And as I said before, they, I, I don't know the house as well, but they nominated some fucking terrible Senate candidates. Yeah. And, and, and I will say this too, man, when John Stewart gets involved, Jesus Christ, I mean, he's, John's on the right, <clears throat> the right side of history. Every time he's, he's saying anything as far as our, our veterans, uh, nine 11 first responders and thank God for John. I mean, thank God for him, uh, getting these people, the benefits and the insurance and things they deserve. And, and it always goes to me, man, I, 
you know, Republicans will take a lot of credit for being the pro-military party, a lot of credit for being the pro-America party. They love to fly the American flag. But when it comes to we're actually going to have to pay some money to take care of these guys. A lot of times they're on the wrong side of it. How how do they shoot themselves in the foot on stuff like that? I mean, you've got to get the bill right for first responders, health insurance for the burn burn pit, uh, the, the military uh, members who are, you know, worked in burn pits when they were uh, active. Like we have to take care of these people. Look, whatever we have to do. So, man, to me, that was fascinating that uh, they, of course, didn't vote for that. Like you said, as a, as a direct result of the build back better vote. But uh, I guess my question for you would be, what about John Stewart for president? Why not? Although, truthfully, it's been fairly well proven that, um, and, and Trump wasn't the best example. Eisenhower, prior to him, and even U.S. Grant, um, Washington, you can't say because he was the first president, but it's really not a place to, it's not the place for entry-level politics. That's why governors make pretty fucking good presidents and some senators, but you need some executive-level experience. You know, Trump was a disaster, not a place for entry level. Eisenhower, the country was in great shape post-World War II. Ike didn't do a hell of a lot. Ulysses Grant, by all accounts, not a great president. Um, And these were all men who started their political career in the White House. So, you know, that whole notion of celebrity, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, there's, and we're more obsessed. I guess Americans have always been celebrity obsessed, um, but we seem now to be more celebrity obsessed than ever. And it's, I would take a step back and say, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a political hobbyist and I'm also in a minority of probably, I don't know, if you had a hundred people gathered, there might be five of us who actually, so I've never asked you this question. Um, I'm one of those crazy Americans who actually believe there's a lot of very good people in Washington, D.C. and in Frankfurt. Yeah, there's some shit heels and there's some scumbags, but I'd say it's 80-20. I think there's 80% and that's both sides, Republicans and Democrats who want to do the right thing, who are there for noble reasons. Maybe I'm a naive fool, but that's the way I believe. I don't think politician is a dirty word. I think it's a noble calling. I think it takes a hell of a lot of work. I think politicians largely reflect us. We don't reflect them. They reflect what we want, right? And um, there's a lot of good people there. So, you know, this notion that every politician is a scumbag, my sister says it all the time. I just think that that is a very, very flawed philosophy. I think it's it's negative and it's wrong. I don't disagree with that. I I will throw this out there. To which you say? No, I don't disagree. I I completely think, uh, you know, I don't think people get into politics to to fuck people over or to do the worst. I or mean, just more often than not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to your point, I would say it's maybe closer to 70, 30 than, you know, than 80, 20, <laughs> but no, I, I definitely feel like, and, and to your point on both sides, a lot of those guys and, and ladies get in there certainly to try and make the country better and, and, you know, to, to have them reflect their values. But uh, I will say this about John Stewart. Vladimir Zelensky has done a pretty good job as uh, from comedian to president. So. Yeah, very true. Yeah, very, I mean, very true. Certainly a world hero at this point. But um, man, let's it, get it, Stewart going. Yeah, now, I, I, I would be all. I'd be all aboard. I would just think about that because uh, there was some speculation, and I think it's already probably 
flown the coop, but um, and it's funny because I've watched a bit of Shark Tank in the last few months. I'd never watched it, but I've I've um, I've watched it quite a bit. It's a, it's a, it's an entertaining show. But there was some <laughs> speculation about Cuban possibly <clears throat> about Mark Cuban possibly throwing his hat in the ring. But uh, you know, or or how about the Rock? We can go with the Rock. I would like to hear. I'm, I'm look. I'm open to hear all of what they have to say. I think Mark Cuban is a smart guy, and I think uh, a common sense guy, kind of like us. Right. I, I don't think he'd probably sit no down and he would be a flat, you know, completely Democrat or completely Republican guy. I think he would probably be a common sense president. So right. I'm certainly open to that. Even The Rock, you know, I feel like The Rock's young, but I guess maybe he's not. But I would be open to looking at what he has to say. Um, I think too that the point about. Um, basically a rookie president who hasn't been a governor or senator. I think the key is who you surround yourself with, right? Like you could probably be less uh, seasoned in politics if you're surrounding yourself with people who really know their shit. So I don't always think like you're doomed to failure uh, having not been a politician your whole life, but you know, certainly to, to the point you often make it, you know, it is the only uh, job in America where people kind of say that the more experience you have, you know, the more corrupt and worse you are. So, right. Right. Yeah. I'll Politics be seems to, to be the only entity. Yeah. yeah. The only entity that is not um, improved by experience. They, they want all, all newbies in there. As far as it goes with Biden, I would be very happy if Joe Biden said, <clears throat> I did what I had to do. I beat the guy who was going to actively work to overturn American democracy. And that was a vitally important win for the country. And uh, I'm going to bow out gracefully and we'll see what happens. As, as uh, LBJ said in 1968, I will not, ex- as a sitting president, I will not accept, I will not seek, nor will I accept my party's nomination to be president. I still remember that. It was March of 1968, and I was a seven-year-old kid, and mom was a huge political junkie. It's where my love of politics came from. I don't think the old man really cared. And my mother audibly gasped. I still remember it as a seven-year-old because that was unbeknownst to anybody. And when LBJ spoke those words on live TV, she went, <gasps> because it opened that's And that's when it opened up the door, of course, for Bobby Kennedy, who was, and, and that was March. So Martin Luther King would be assassinated about three weeks after that. Bobby Kennedy, two months after that. That was a hell of a year, 1968, baby. You think we got problems? Go back wow. to 68. No doubt. Right. Uh, you, you know, one of the things I'll say also on the heels of uh, politicians having experience, I'm fascinated by this because, you know, obviously, if you walk around a big group of Republicans or a Trump rally, let's go Brandon and he's an idiot and, you know, some of that stuff that they they, they parrot. But, man, if you watch Meet the Press or if you watch uh, any Republican interview, like if you watch a Mitch McConnell interview, it's fascinating that they're very much not going to shit on Joe Biden. You know, Mitch McConnell will say, you know, I, I like Joe Biden. He's a, he's, a, he's a good moral guy and I like him, but, you know, we disagree. Man, it, it says a lot. It says a lot that most of those guys, you know, they don't really shit on him. It's very much right. like uh, you, there's a lot well, of respect there among his peers, whether well, whether the Brandon guys like him or not. Which brings us full circle on this show, Tristan, which is, again, why I think, and you're exactly right about Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell wouldn't say that the FBI planted evidence down there. But this piece of shit Rand Paul did, and I don't know if I can get in trouble for calling a sitting U.S. senator a piece of shit on public airways, but that is like the lowest thing that you can do. Or put put a, put a different, put a 
put differently, it's the height of irresponsibility. It is the height of irresponsibility, and that's a great point you make. You wouldn't see Mitch McConnell saying that, but you've got this idiot Ram Paul saying it. It's, it's really filthy and really disgusting because it undermines the, the very institutions that, make, that ironically make America great. So with that, I guess we need to um, thank sponsors, and you got to get to your top ten. You got a top ten? Yeah, I threw one together. I think I've had it for a month. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go back and revisit that. Um, anyway, I guess one more thing, kind of a throwaway, but boy, they Republicans really, I, I don't get some of their decisions, but, uh, not voting to cap the prices of insulin. That didn't make much sense to me. What's the benefit other than we're in the pocket of big pharma to, to not be there for that? Well, I think, I think that's exactly what it is. And I think it's, you know, a nod to the free market. That's a real true liberal versus conservative divide that any restrictions you put on the marketplace is bad for business any restrictions you put on earning power is bad for business and i think it's just a true liberal conservative divide and i think it's you know that's it's probably a, another show topic but <clears throat> that whole vote the things that fall under reconciliation and the things that don't which is decided by the senate parliamentarian so the things that fall under reconciliation only require 50 votes and the things that don't require 60. And the insulin provision was one that didn't fall under reconciliation, so they had to get 60 votes for it. So that was one place where Republicans could show a little muscle and say, you know, we're voting against this additional spending. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, so, but it, it, that's what I'm saying. If, 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 if Republicans, I don't think that the Democrats can hold on to the House. I think they can the Senate. But if they hold on, Democrats hold on to both the House and Senate. You know who Republicans have to blame for that? Only themselves. A combination of terrible optics, terrible candidates, and and terrible votes. Those three. Yeah. Pretty perfect storm. Yeah, and they've got. And to your point, there's a lot of time between now and the election. You know, nothing's decided yet. So we'll see who shoots themselves in the foot between now and then. But yeah, uh, definitely let's thank our sponsors and get to some of the funniest comedy, I'm sure, in the history of all the world. Um, So yeah, thanks uh, thanks to Bria Pond, BuckshotAndLead.com. Aaron uh, hopefully is listening and probably not disagreeing with a whole hell of a lot of this episode. But nonetheless, you will agree with his prices. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll definitely ag- agree with his prices. That's for sure at Berea Pond. So check him out at 107 Clay Drive when you're in the market for, uh, man, a couch, a table, some shelving, uh, bookshelves, a kayak. Man, they just always have the coolest selection. I always like to go uh, and buy uh, case knives as Christmas gifts. It's a great oh, local case knife dealer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, good, like, nice $50 gift if you want to get somebody a nice something fit between 50 and 100 bucks, something that they'll keep, a nice pocket knife or something like that. So, um, you know, Aaron will take good care of you. If, God forbid, you need a little extra money, uh, you can go in there and they'll, they'll pawn something for you and, you know, pay a small fee and get it back when you when your check comes in. It's kind of like a uh, um, one of those uh, places where you get a little advance on your paycheck before uh, – right. You know, you need a little something comes up, you need a little cash, head on in to Bria Pond. They'll, they'll take care of you there, too. So, uh, and hopefully, we're going to have some commercials for Aaron and uh, some and Bad Wolf here coming up soon. So, we won't stutter this out every time live, and uh, they'll have yeah, maybe a better need, commercial. Yeah, that's true. You definitely won't I've regret going that. into Bria Pond. Yeah, it'd be fun to yeah, have. I've thought of that listening to the yeah. show. 
We do need to produce. And and Dan is is hanging in with us. He uh, actually offered his shop at 711 Chestnut Street for us to broadcast out of. And as Tristan said earlier in, in this podcast, we're still kind of working all that out. We sort of had the rug pulled out from under us. Our business, not really yours, but we're working all that out. And um, who knows? Maybe we'll wind up broadcasting from Dan's place. Man, I would love to. And I think the only even thought or only reason not to is... It's a it seems like a lot of equipment to to put together every week. So like if the, if yeah. you had a corner of that place that we could just leave it set up, man, I would love to record it. Bad Wolf, um, you know, it's so clean and nice and friendly. It's a great environment, and you know, for both for us or you know, folks uh, that patronize uh, Bad Wolf Gaming. Right. But uh, yeah, so so we'll see. Hopefully that would be something that would work out. I, again, I don't know if they have the space for us to just leave our equipment, but uh, if they do, man, that would be great. Absolutely. We got to work that out. All yeah, right, so brother. Let's yep. Well, here, let me, you, we'll finish with your top 10 because it's much better than mine. I've got a, well, I don't know if I can call it a cute joke, but it's a quick joke. I was at the doctor's and he was kind of checked me out and he said, you're going to have to stop masturbating, Ray. And I said, why is that, Doc? He said, because I'm examining you. <laughs> you know the best thing about that joke? You knew where it was going? No, I told it on the show like two months ago. Oh, shit. Did you? Fuck, that, that was what I, I used. I saw it on... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you do not listen to anything I say. I stole that from TikTok like two months ago. That was a Tristan joke. So, oh, shit. Yeah, so that's but it's oldie but a goodie. All right. That's well, a callback. Okay. Yeah. That's so funny. That's a callback. All right. So then, all right. So then, not to be outdone, Tristan, here's one for you. What do you get if you cross a hungry cat and a canary? Ooh, a bad day for a canary. Yes, a cat that's no longer hungry. <laughs> nice there you go oh, i am stuff. so sorry i stole your job uh, hey it's getting we've been doing this for 50 shows i'm running out of jokes <laughs> yeah oh, man, you're, man you're gonna have to start so utilizing you, google so you certainly yeah. knew good you stuff that, knew it, that joke huh <laughs> I, I didn't know where it was going i, I saw it and <laughs> I, I, I loved it that's a good one. Oh, all right <laughs> i can't list. examine you, you sir while you're masturbating <laughs> thank you Bad yeah Wolf. so thank thanks you, to dan and nace at bad wolf gaming That's absolutely funny. and so uh yep so here we go the bad wolf top 10 top 10 things now that this is apropos with gas prices slowly going down here for the last 30 days top 10 things joe biden is doing slash saying to help people with gas prices so this is the okay. things that joe biden is sort of working on behind the scenes for gas prices number 10 working on cool new handshake with each member of saudi royal family nice uh number nine Capping oil profits for the big oil companies at 1 million percent. <laughs> Number eight, meeting with old friend Corn Pop to flush out ideas. That'll be helpful. Mm. Yeah. Number seven, recommending Americans go back to horseback. Uh, I like number, it. Number six, whatever you do, don't ride bicycles. They are very dangerous, says Joe Biden. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Top 10 things Biden is saying to help with gas prices. Uh, how about carpooling? That yeah, wasn't very funny. Number four, uh, politely asking Putin if he would mind stopping the war in Ukraine. That, that might help. Uh, might. Number three, checking Hunter Biden's laptop for ideas. 
<laughs> I bet he's got some good ideas in there. Uh, number two, st- number two, starting a national campaign to promote hitchhiking. Yeah. I, can, I, I don't see any problem with that. Nothing no. could go wrong. Um, and the, the number one thing Joe Biden is doing to help with gas prices, insisting that Americans stand and fight for a rigged and stolen election with absolutely no proof and fracturing the nation's deepest tradition, a peaceful transfer of presidential power, completely dividing our nation politically to the point of a civil war. Oh, wait, nope, that's the wrong list. So sorry. That's that's another guy. <laughs> yes, indeed. Joe Biden that's is not doing that. He's doing a lot of things. Yeah, he's not doing that. Yeah. All right, so the, Ray, it was fun, man. And, and and guys, if you're listening again, you want to do a do your own little podcast. Keep listening to for Troy and Front Porch Studios. He's going to have some cool stuff coming up real soon. We'd appreciate it if you go in Berea Pond and Bad Wolf Gaming and tell them you're very specifically spending money with them because you heard Trisden and Ray talk about them on the uh, on the podcast. Please. So we yes. certainly appreciate that. And Ray. Um, I'm going to ask if folks would start reviewing us on Spotify and Apple. I'm going to start reading our reviews coming up. So Uh-oh. weeks that I don't do Uh-oh. a top 10 list, I'm going to do some five-star reviews, but only if you'd give the full five-star review. We're not reading the three-star reviews, but if you leave a five-star review, we will read whatever you say on the air, no matter what it That's is. Cool. So check it out. Groovy. Yeah. And check us out on Facebook. So, yeah. So thanks again to Troy. Thanks to Nate Thank you, and uh, thanks, at Stove Leg Media for, for helping. And, and, and Troy, we look forward to having you back here with us here real soon. And uh, guys, have Ray, have a great week, man. Take care. You too, Tris. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. 